Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Navigation system. Please say a command. On. Ignition. Powered. Seatbelts. Fastened. Shift. Drive. Twin City sports fans, hold on tight. Live from the TCL Broadcast Studios, this is The Ride with Royce. He's going the distance. Uh, Nikola Amiritich continues to work out with the Chicago Bulls at practice, but he has so far refused to engage Bobby Portis in any way. Hmm. Bobby Portis, of course, punched him and broke two bones in his face on a post-practice scuffle on August, October 17th. Right. Do you think, you know... I didn't realize this, but there really is some symmetry here. Because that's my birthday, October 17th. <laughs> okay. Right? That's sure. my birthday, October 17th. Yes, it is. That's the day that Bobby Portis punched, attacked Nikola Miritich. Mm-hmm. Broke his face. Punched him. Uh, and at this point... Miritich has not wanted to be in the same locker room as Portis, even though he's back uh in the at the facility sure so he's kind of been hanging out staying away from portis and they're putting pressure on uh pax john paxson the vice president of basketball ops and uh is putting a little pressure on him it's incumbent on miritich to be around more and portis he said i'm here to play basketball and i would welcome him with open arms if he wants to have a conversation uh, but uh, Miritich is uh, not yet healed from the wanton attack. Well, I was going to say, ha- has he played attack yet? That came out of nowhere, right? right? Mm-hmm. They were having a little altercation. Uh, and I was reading this story, and I felt like Nikola Miritich being uh, how so? punched for no apparent reason, being punched. Might as well have broken my face. No. Uh, Mackie. <laughs> a guy that I nurtured. Yes. Nurtured. When you he raised him here. as a pup. Yes. Treated him with much more respect than he deserved, right? <laughs> okay. When he was my young partner, right? And uh, yesterday, out of nowhere, the Gophers beat Providence. Hooray, hooray. Yeah, we are all lauding them hooray, on social hooray. media. Well, apparently, this guy 
kind of like Portis has been waiting for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. By the way, Miritich is his rival, right, for the playing time, right? They play. Oh, okay. Play power forward. Okay, okay. I did not know that. So he, uh, you know, he attacked him, and out of nowhere, the Gophers beat Providence. Nice win. On the road. Number 15. Yes. Quality opponent. Having a good year. Suddenly, in my timeline, appears. uh, Now, I didn't get his attacks on you, Reavers. I only got the ones on me. It's okay. Well, what's funny is I sent out a tweet upon the conclusion saying, hey, really nice win. That's something uh, to be impressed. I go take care of the boys, get them to bed. I come back downstairs. A father, a father. 25 minutes later, I come back downstairs. I look at him. I'm like, why do I have 45 notifications Uh on social media? (laughs) And then I say, Oh, Phil. (laughs) So Phil went back. Now, he goes back two years, and you basically were calling for his firing, right? For Patino? Absolutely, 100%. Well, he went back and tried to go through my timeline to get my Patino shots, Mm -hmm. right? And there are shots in there, but he'll never find me saying, fire him, because I never said that. Uh, But I did... So what he has in my timeline, or, or in the, in his uh, timeline, is a tweet from me saying, Richard, Pat- uh, Richard Patino says uh, they're taking ownership of this. And, and then I said, uh, and the ownership is, we're loud, we're proud, and we're horse bleep, right? <laughs> Was... And it was in well, the middle of the Northwestern well, debacle. It was. Yeah. So apparently this appears, and I guess unless you look at the tweet, you think it's recent, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you look at You have at to look at the timestamp, yes. Well, it was from February 4th, 2016. So I looked and I said, I, you know, I obviously can't remember that tweet. So I looked it up. That's night. That was the week that Richard on his show, which Phil used to host, said that they were taking ownership of this. Right? Yeah, we so own we're this. Taking, yes. We're taking ownership of this disappointing season, and we're resolved. Mm-hmm. And then they lost by 26 to Northwestern uh, that night. Mm-hmm. 84 to or I maybe remember 36. that game. Hey, maybe it was 80-36. And that know. was pre-NCAA tournament Northwestern. Yes. They had never, yeah, this at was that Northwestern. point, Northwestern no, never. had never made no. the NCAA tournament. So... I feel like I got punched in the face by a teammate. Blindsided. By a teammate. Yes. Because now if he'd said, as my old teammate wrote, <laughs> this is what my old teammate wrote in February of 2016. Different then story. It's okay. Sure. But you needed some context, right? Oh, well, absolutely. Yeah. Because you get uh, lost in the middle of it. Uh, that's right. So, um, uh, but you know... A, a tiny... But I did respond. Like Meritich is not talking to Bobby Portis. Right. I blocked. At a boy. At a boy. And he ain't getting off probation. No. I don't know what he'd have to do to get back. You in know what my this was? Twitter graces. You know what this was? What? This was bilateral leg weakness. <laughs> trees at Target Field. Yes. And Ponder getting married right. before a game, all in one tweet. Yes, that was. Except those were. Harmless attacks by strangers, generally This was a teammate. This was a teammate punching me, not in the face, 
but in the groinal area. Yeah, really. low Kicking blow. Kicking me in the groinal area. It was a area. kick in the groin. Um, it was a kick to the groin. Now, yes. the best part about this entire uh, scuffle was, uh, I believe, around 1230 on the Mackie and Judd show when... The silent agitator producer Dave Harrigan mm-hmm. uh, threw together the question, wondering on what scale is Phil kind of a, a punk? You know, a scale of yeah, one. Right. I think it was a scale of one to Justin Bieber was the was the mm-hmm. measure the the measuring stick. Yes, and that was when he said, "Phil, why don't you pull up Royce's last tweet, latest tweet?" And just, Phil said, "I don't think he was aware yet that he'd been blocked." And Phil said, "I'm having a problem with my Twitter account," and Dave said. <laughs> No, you're not. <laughs> Pat blocked you. <laughs> yeah, well, I I think, you know, Nikola Miritich is being passive, mm-hmm. aggressive. Yes. And I am too. <laughs> That's right. Although is blocking a teammate passive? Probably not. It's aggressive. That's right. Well, but if you don't really address it, well, I guess you are on the show. Mm-hmm. It might, well, it is, it's, and I the guess. The other nasty thing he, he managed to tweet out that I tweeted two years ago was bad mouthing the non conference schedule, which I don't know what that has to do with anything because they had a bad non conference schedule even last year, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I really wanted to be aggressive, and I'm contemplating this. Uh oh, here we go. But I had a thought. That you could do a little this day in Gophers history. Then you could go back to the 2015 16 (laughs) season. Uh, South Dakota State, such and such. South Dakota, you know, Minnesota, such and such. But I don't think I'll go. It's it's not worth it. Rutgers. It's not Rutgers, yeah. Well, 8 and 23. Worst year in the history of the basketball season. We could find some moments. 120 years. 120 years. This was the worst. That last to choose from. But nowhere in there he can search. But nowhere will he find me calling for him to be fired. Now, Eric Kaler would have fired him. There's no doubt about it if he didn't have the big buyout. But uh, anyway, I'm uh, I'm an innocent victim in all of this from a teammate. And it will, just like Nikolai Miritich, it will not be soon forgotten. Zim Yatter is with us, Viking Update. Okay, I heard Teddy from Zim yesterday. Am I just reading things into it, or what's your guess? You know, you are not the only one <laughs> that, that has come back at me when I said i I got to believe it's Keenum. Uh, I think some people read it one way, some people read it another. Here's how I read it. I think the Vikings would love to get Teddy involved very soon. But I also think that the the way Keenan played, especially in the first half on Sunday, makes it awfully difficult for them to to go away from him this week. And I was thinking after I after my first hot take that I heard Teddy that okay, you play Keenum this week, you play him in Detroit, and then you got ten days to uh, decide whether you're going to go in a different direction. Is uh, you know, maybe they – I don't know if they want to bring Teddy back to play twice in five days would be uh, the part of the thing I would think of, too. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, the other thing, the other argument against Teddy, um, you know, in this Rams game, I mean, think back, what was it, uh, 2015, I think, when, you know, Zimmer was so upset with the Rams. And I, I totally understand it's a, a completely different coaching staff yes. now. but. Yeah, they they took a, a run at Teddy when, yes. when he was uh, going down uh, sliding that Zimmer was not very happy with, and uh, you you look at 
how much emotion Teddy had on the sideline on Sunday coming back, I think it makes sense to work him back in gradually. Plus, if Aaron Donald lands on you, you could be in trouble, and he's the he's the best there is. So uh, that's that's a thing to think about. What's your uh, what's your Rams take? Are they good or uh, not quite as good as everybody thinks? I think they're good, not great, and I say that you know they Robert Woods has been great in the past couple of weeks. He's got four touchdowns uh, over the past two weeks. Todd Gurley's a fantastic running back. But when I look at who they've played, uh, you know, they haven't really come out with a huge win against a, a real quality opponent. They've blown out several teams that aren't very good and, uh, you know, have a win or two against a quality opponent but haven't really dominated anybody. And so I think, you know, I think Vegas, from what I've seen, had like a two and a half point, uh, the Vikings was two and a half point favorites. And I think that's pretty fair given that they're playing at home this year. Yeah, week. and it is, uh, you know, the NFL certainly can be chaotic, but it's uh, when a team is improving by this many games, it's sometimes a, uh, it makes you uh, question it. Now, I did point out to somebody that, if they actually turn this around, this could be the second coming of uh, the Kurt Warner going to the Super Bowl team that came out of nowhere, right? Uh, at the, you remember the Rams? They were terrible in St. Louis. And the, I think they were 4-12, and and the next year they were great. Yeah, you know, the, they've done that. But I, I think it also shows you how much coaching matters. I mean, everybody wants to talk about the superstar players in this league and, you know, this this terrific running back, this explosive receiver. But, I mean, you look at, at the difference in, in this Vikings offense from last year to this year. You look at the difference in the Rams offense from last year to this year. Pat Shermer being the difference this year for the Vikings. Sean McVay for the Rams. You know what? I think it's time to realize that Jeff Fisher just wasn't a very good head coach. <laughs> and I mean, they, what the Rams have done with Jared Goff and the turnaround from his year last year to this year is incredible. He's looked great this year. And so I, coaching matters. Let's just, let's just put it that way. Everybody wants to, to think that it's always all about the players, but schemes and coaches matter for sure. All right. I was uh, talking earlier today, uh, Joey Browner, very good safety. Paul Krause said a lot of, intercepted a lot of passes, even though he didn't tackle too many people. I think Harrison Smith's the best they've ever had back there. I think he's the most complete they've ever had back there. I mean, you if you go back and look at some of the, the incredible hits that Joey Browner put on people, yes. I mean, first of all, those wouldn't be allowed. You'd have yeah, to take right. away about 60% of his. Yeah, the horse collars would have gotten him thrown out of the league. But Yeah, he, he would have been done suspended, especially <laughs> under Roger Goodell. Yes. But, you know, you, you look at, at Harrison Smith and, and the range that he covers in defending the pass and how he comes up at the line of scrimmage to defend the run. I mean, he's a spectacular all-around safety, and he fits exactly what Mike Zimmer wants to do with his defense. It's 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 a really good marriage there because Harrison is such. I mean, he's so talented athletically, but he also has a great feel and understanding and film study of the game. That I think it's it's a case where Zimmer just absolutely trusts that whatever he wants to do from one play to the next with Harrison, he's able to do it. And you know, Harrison has talked time and time again about how much he loves this defense because. 
it doesn't pigeonhole him into one role. And uh, if I'm uh, coaching the Washington Redskins and I'm down to my last gasp and it's third and one and I see him come up and stand in the hole, I'm going to I'm gonna audible out of that and run something else uh, instead of run right at him because you're going to then be fourth and two. Uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, also the, the Redskins, I think, really would have benefited by having Jordan Reed available. For yes, that that's game. true. I mean, you look at uh, at how good Anthony Barr and Eric Kendricks have been this year. Kendricks was not very good on Sunday. I think that was the worst game he played this year. He missed some tackles that he would usually make. He uh, he, he slipped on a wheel route that, that gave him a first down on about, you know, it was a short pass that ended up being about a 30-yard gain. Um, you know, you face this Rams team this week with Todd Gurley. And those are your two key players for the Vikings that have to have to step up their game against the Rams. Biggest shock with this team this year is uh, not Case Keenum playing quarterback and winning games. To me, it's uh, uh, the offensive line because if we go back to August, uh, Riley Reef is not playing. Mike Remmers is uh, you know nothing to write home about. We got a couple of uh, ex centers playing guards. And uh, then you got the rookie playing in the middle. To have this line turn out to be this good is amazing. It, it is. And you, when you talk about going back to August, we didn't even think that Pat Elfline was going to be the starting center. At that point, it was kind of, is it going to be Nick Easton or is it going to be Joe Berger? And where does Elfline fit into the whole thing? And, you know, I was just thinking about this. How many times during training camp Mike Zimmer was asked, you know, how quickly do you want to decide on your starting offensive line? And his answer was, well, as soon as we can. And all of a sudden they come out in the regular season opener and it's not really the interior that we thought it would be. It's not, it's not the same people we thought it would be at center. Um, so, uh, and then I look at, at what they did in Washington. I thought that was an unbelievably well-played game by the offensive line. And the athleticism of Elfline and Joe Berger getting out on some of these wide receiver screens and blocking five yards downfield, um, it's, it's a completely different offensive line from last year. And then you look at the move that they made at when, uh, when they had to make their final cuts to the roster, and Alex Boone, you know, a yes. guy that just uh, has this physical, nasty, old-school attitude, and you think, well, in, I realize Boone didn't have a great year last year, but he just simply didn't fit the style that they wanted for this offensive line. And and uh, it, it's been an amazing turnaround that they've made. Have they had a clunker yet? The offensive line? Yeah, the offensive line. I don't really think so. I mean, if you look at pass protection alone, Case Keenum actually leads the league in the lowest percentage of sacks per pass attempt, per, per drop back. He's only been sacked, I think, uh, 10 times this year, which is one of the best in the league. I think Drew Brees is, is the only other one that's lower than that. Um, I should say, I think it's the Vikings have been sacked 10 times overall this year. Um, you know, it's, it's really been a, a pretty good offensive line. I think they've improved in their run blocking as well. And, uh, you know, you look at what Dalvin Cook would be able to do if he was still behind this offensive line. Um, some of the runs that Latavius Murray has had for 7 to 10 yards, I think Dalvin Cook would have been bringing those to the house for 60-yard touchdowns. 
Timmy Otter is with us. Uh, so uh, you were there to see the Saints come in here and stink it up in the opener, stink it up the next week. What in God's name is going on there? Uh, I think two things. I think they realized how to play defense. Some yep. of their younger players are coming on. And I think that uh, Sean Payton has started to realize that a balanced offense <laughs> is much better than an offense that just absolutely relies on Drew Brees to chuck it down the field. So I think with uh, Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram has been a really nice tandem at running back for them. And it, it, it keeps teams off balance when you're not just thinking, oh, they're going to they're gonna pass it again and again and again. All of a sudden, they end up running the ball more than they're passing it, and and uh, you know defenses aren't really sure what how to load up against that. And uh, a lot of people say, why did they ever sign Adrian Peterson? We should remember that they drafted Kamara in the second round after they had signed Adrian Peterson. It was not, you know, they didn't have both those guys. They didn't know they were going to have Kamara then, so that might be part of the explanation. It still didn't fit, but uh, no, it's it, not as it horrible as didn't. it looked from a distance, you know. Yeah, no, I, I that I, I didn't think it was a case where Adrian Peterson wouldn't find a team, but the team that he found <laughs> made no sense to me. Yeah, well, and it seems like he went to the first place that offered him three million bucks, which was yeah. instead of saying, "Ah, there's got to be a better fit than this." All right, Tim. Hey, uh, this, uh, as this as this team, you've been covering them a long time. As they are they as uh, pleasant of a surprise uh, in a positive way as you've seen. Yeah, I think just from all the things that we've talked about, I mean, even Mike Remmers, I was very skeptical about how good he could be at right tackle, and he's been very good for them. Um, the offensive line in general, I was, uh, you know, I didn't think they would make the turnaround that they made, especially as quickly as they did. Um, Thielen's been terrific. Uh, Keenum has really fit what they're looking to do. Um you know, you lose Dalvin Cook and Sam Bradford. If you would have told me that at the beginning of the year, I would have thought this was maybe possibly a 500 team, but no better than that. And, um, you know, they, they've just found ways to do it. And I think a lot of the credit has to go to Pat Shermer and what he's done with this offense. Tim Yotter, uh, you can follow his uh, Viking coverage, which is excellent on vikingupdate.com. Thanks, Tim. All right, thanks, Patrick. All right, uh, Tim Yotter, he uh, does a great job. One of the many people out there covering the Vikings and doing it in fine fashion. Johnny Height with a sports update. Thank you, Patrick. This update sponsored by Concordia University Online Learning. Get on track to a successful business career with Concordia University St. Paul. Learn online or on campus. Learn more about their business degrees at online.csp.edu. It's a day off for the Vikings, and they'll resume practice tomorrow. They get ready to play the Rams on Sunday. Uh, of course, Coach Mike Zimmer yesterday said he knows who's starting at quarterback Sunday, uh, but he's not going to let us know until tomorrow, whether it's Teddy Bridgewater or Case Keenum. None of your business, John. Do we know he's going to let us know tomorrow, or he is he just going to tell the team? He said he was going to tell the team, yeah, but that's, will, that's he, make the, point. will he make never the team know. keep it quiet? You never know. Um, you know, they got to decide whether they want a mobile guy that they're going to defense or a guy of our poor old Teddy. So they might uh, might have a leak from yes. the locker room. You yes. never know. Yeah. Uh, other Vikings news, the second Willie Beavers era is already yeah, over. Was, uh, <laughs> you know what, though, Johnny? This could be one of those deals where they, they bring a guy in every other week. They, uh -huh. They'd like to do that. They work out a guy for a week and teach him stuff, and then they... 
release him, and Willie could be back next week. He's Don't a, bet against it. He's a guard, and uh, he's been released from the practice squad, and they signed rookie safety Jack Tachko. Ooh. Second stint on the squad for Tachko, too, taken by the Vikings in the seventh See, round of the draft. Got that, that, that Spielman's a tricky fellow. He's thinking, huh? <laughs> he's always thinking. And the NFL announced its nominees for the 2017 Art Rooney Sportsmanship Award today, and for the Vikings, the nominee is defensive end Brian Robison. The award created in 2014 in honor of Steelers founding owner and Pro Football Hall of Famer Art Rooney Sr. And the winner will be selected by a vote of current NFL It is interesting that Art uh, is being honored by the NFL since he got the money to buy the Steelers by having a good meeting at Saratoga as a gambler. (laughs) Gambling money. Uh, I did not know that. Mm Mm-hmm. Three UCLA basketball players detained in China on suspicion of shoplifting are on their way back to Los Angeles. Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott said the matter, quote, has been resolved to the satisfaction of the Chinese authorities. Freshman Leangelo Ball, Jalen Hill, and Cody Riley were detained in Hangzhou for questioning after allegations of shoplifting last week before the 23rd-ranked Bruins beat Georgia Tech in their season-opening game in Shanghai. Ball is the brother, of course, of L.A. Lakers guard Lonzo Ball. The rest of the UCLA team returned to Los Angeles last Saturday without those three. You guys did read uh, why this happened, right? As I uh, told, told Pat the other day, uh, the sports mm-hmm. pickle was chronicling this event yes. in which they said LeVar Ball accepts Leangelo's execution as part of deal to license <laughs> big baller brand in China. Well, he did leave He did leave yes. uh, Leangelo. Leangelo in whatever city they got caught yep. and went to Shanghai so he could run his pop-up big baller <laughs> Well, hey, I, got an eye the slammer. I got an eyewitness uh, to, uh, to confirm that. I have a friend who was over there at that game. That uh, family is something else. Mm-hmm. Man. A man has to have priorities. That's okay? right. <laughs> Minnesota Wild are at home tonight. They are playing the Philadelphia Flyers at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, Charlie Coyle, he hasn't been on the ice with Wild teammates in four weeks and five days. He did skate today. Of course, he had the uh, broken leg. He had broke his right leg October 12th. Had surgery involving some hardware. He told reporters today, quote, I'm bionic now. Coyle said he skated on his own yesterday and once last week as well. And while the initial diagnosis was six to eight weeks out, uh, he wouldn't put a time marker on his recovery. And other big cocky news, Sarah McClellan uh, makes her debut as the Star Tribune's new hockey writer. Really? Yeah, she brought her in from Phoenix. She's a Canadian by birth, which means she knows something about hockey. And I guess she just decided that the Coyotes' Stanley Cup run wasn't enough to leave her or keep her in She needed back. to follow a real <laughs> team. Yes, yes. She needs some heartbreaking is what she needs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There's no heartbreak in Phoenix. They just stink. Right. You know? <laughs> and the Twins apparently are taking an aggressive stance to open free agency, according to John Heyman of FanRag. Uh, mm-hmm. Pitching, John says they're going after hot and heavy. He yeah. said... I've I've covered these meetings. He said the Twins front office at least looking at you, Darvish. So you're saying he's sitting at his uh, computer going, my God, I've got to come up with something. something. What what is it? Anything. God. Covering those winter meetings back in the typewriter day, man. (laughs) (laughs) At 6 o'clock, I haven't had a drink yet. I've got to make up something. You're looking at a blank sheet of paper. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder you were a chronic drunk. (laughs) (laughs) Heyman says the Twins are looking at you, Darvish, and Jake Arrieta with a slightly higher evaluation for Darvish. He also says they're looking at the best relievers available, including 
Wade Davis, and Greg Holland. I think my suspicion that I might have had a drinking problem came at the uh, Executive House Hotel in Chicago uh, one morning that uh, uh, I'd written my morning stuff and then came, you know, for the morning Pioneer Press and then... We would, you know, try to write it in the afternoon, but you had the afternoon stuff when you got back to the hotel room. Mm-hmm. But it would, you had to squeeze in a few hours of drinking. And <laughs> I, I got the 6 a.m. wake up call, and I remember my head was on the typewriter when it came. It was <laughs> oh, like right on the typewriter, right, right across there. And as it, the phone's ringing, I'm saying, Please, God, have me have written at least five, six paragraphs here before I fell asleep. Looked up and said, bye, Pat Racy, dispatch sports writer, Chicago, dash. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was C-H. Oh, hell, where are my notes? Now, see, my favorite wake-up call story is, were you in New Orleans? Is that where you were for that wake-up call? Yeah, that was New Orleans. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, you got to finish it. We've all been there. Oh, uh, Seven thirty, and they yeah. said, "I'm sorry, sir, it's a quarter to eight. <laughs> you of all people shouldn't be laughing at that. Story. <laughs> no, that's Chris. why it's something to aspire towards. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. I'll that's get right. there one of these days. Uh, I think back, luckily, that was back when you could change flights. Yes, yeah. very <laughs> easy. Just called in and said, "Yeah, I called the airline. I, I might not make that nine thirty one. Let's let's try her this afternoon." <laughs> <laughs> I think that was, we're done. Yeah, we're done. Hey, Manny Hill. You have a lot of give and take with Timberwolves fans on Twitter. You kind of, uh, you got a lot of, uh, I have, you got uh, a lot of Timberwolves fans. Have you heard from any Ricky fans today? Have you seen anything in your timeline? See, it's, it's hard to gauge because I've refrained from tweeting during games okay. the last so, uh, so few games have, just because. You haven't gotten in on the give and take? Not really, but I have noticed that the I miss Ricky Rubio tweets and we shouldn't have traded Ricky tweets We're not. have uh, have decreased significantly in the last two weeks or so uh, because Ricky has been god-awful. And I would guess last night they probably really decreased, right? Uh, yeah. as, as Teague uh, did anything he wanted to and played extremely well, and uh, Ricky had another terrible night. Yeah. And I don't think it's, you know, I like Ricky. I, I, I do, too. It's fun to watch in the open court when they can get it running. I'm not sure that's... That's what doesn't make Utah a great place for him. But I did hear last night, I don't know if they're last, but they're close to last in shooting percentage, Utah, in the, yeah. league, in the league. And it's not a coincidence, right? Yeah. I mean, th- I mean they didn't have good, there's no way you can't beat them last night with Gobert not playing, right? Right. Well, the problem that Utah has offensively right now is, I mean, obviously they lost Gordon Hayward in the offseason. They lost George Hill in the offseason. Like, George yeah. Hill was a better fit for what Quinn Snyder and those guys want to do offensively because they want to – everybody sort of shares the ball. There's, it's not yes. one guy that has the ball in his hands all the time and wants to distribute. But they're and that's what Ricky shooters. wants to do. They're short of shooters now. They are right? short of shooters, and they didn't have Joe Johnson. You know, they haven't had Joe Johnson for a bit, and they're, they're kind of missing him. They miss Hayward. They miss George Hill. And – you know the the guys that they have still that are usually good shooters for them were not shooting well last night. Rodney Hood, Joe Ingles, yes. 
they Joe Ingles was awful last night, just mm-hmm. brutal on both ends of the floor. Yeah, I, when they when Utah played them here on opening night and uh, played them pretty dang well, uh, mm-hmm. Rodney Hood was terrific. Now, didn't he sprain an ankle or something? He got hurt in that game. Yeah, yeah I think that first game against now, the Wolves. But, yeah, uh, he was really good that night. They had a hard time guarding him. I'll tell uh, you who I like though in Utah: that ooh. Donovan Mitchell kid. Oh, okay. that rookie from Louisville. Mm-hmm. He's 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 uh he's a little undersized. For What's his guard, shoe but... deal? Is he eligible? I was just going to ask. Is he eligible? I don't, I don't know if he's eligible. Yeah, I wonder how Coach Patino got. Are him. Are they a playoff but, team? Utah? Utah? No, no. no, no did, not, early no. on, it looked not when, when Ricky the, was playing well, it looked like they might be. But if they keep playing like the this, Pelicans, they won't be. Not with the Pelicans starting to figure out what life is about, and Denver's better than them. Memphis is not as bad as anybody thought. It's uh, there's there's ten or eleven of them, don't you think? They got yeah. a shot. Oklahoma City hasn't played well, but you no. got to think they're oh, going to kick gonna it in gear pretty out. soon. Yeah. So yeah, it's going to be tough what, for Utah. What, what if that uh, what if that turns into forty five wins, Oklahoma oh, City? Oh, yeah. I mean, there's they, no they, there's, you, there's you, nothing you gotta, that say it it won't. I mean, you, you got to bring those guys in. You bring those guys in and only win fifty. Yeah. 48, that's not then that means they had Paul George is probably going to be gone and mm-hmm. Carmelo will probably Carmel opt out. Opt and out. Yeah. What's the uh, what's the line going to be to make the postseason? Is it 45, nah, 50? I think in the West, yeah, you're, I think you're probably looking right. at somewhere between 44 and 48, 49 wins. Don't to get throttled by Golden State. Yeah, in the first yeah you got to get a seven seed. Uh, they had uh, Windhorst on today, and he said, you know, this team's goal should be to get the four seed and Play at home, yeah. The Timberwolves, you know, too. they're on right. Well, right now they're on pace for fifty wins. Yeah, I mean they, it's early, uh, but and he, it point, and he pointed out, even though Butler missed two games, they have let two bad ones get away. You know, yeah, Phoenix, and then uh, what? Which one at home? Indiana. At home. Indiana. And well, that's what those I was going to ask. Those, are two, those are two you got to win. With yeah. the expectations built in, has this been a disappointing start? I'd say I'd, it's been a. Uh, I'd say it's been about uh, acceptable. I'd say it's been yeah. acceptable, but it hasn't been. But they need. Off they the need. Hook. There, there are some guys that they need to play better. Like they need. They need Butler to play better. And I mean, it's funny. Wiggins is kind of finding out now what it's like not to be the guy. You know, because mm-hmm. Butler is now the Butler. When Butler announces he's going to take more shots. That means Wiggins is going to take less shots, right? Yeah, somebody's going to have to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so so it's uh, you know Wiggins only had what eleven last night or something. He had eleven. Yeah, yeah. And he didn't. You know, if he doesn't, if that doesn't bother him, then it's then it's okay. But and that's, if it bothers him that he's not getting his twenty shots, then then what do we do? And that and that's where you have to look at somebody like Andrew, and if he's not, if he's only going to get eleven points on. Mm-hmm. Nights like last night, okay, but they need him to do other little things. They need mm-hmm. him to play his better defensively. His rebounding has been a little better. Yeah, his rebounding's better. I mean, the rebounding stuff hasn't bothered me as much because if if Taj is grabbing 10 and Towns is grabbing yeah. 12 and Butler's grabbing 5, then there's only so many. There's If... if if everybody's scoring on you because you're not defending well, then there's only going to be so many rebounds to I for think, people to get. I think it's a team that's got a a good month or six week run in it, though, where they're going to play good. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know when it's going to be, but you know, 
like what, like a thirty and ten or yeah, something like well, that. No, that's you don't play that many games there. No, but I mean, you know, fourteen and four or something like that. Okay, you know, uh-huh. you know I think they got something like that in them. But the schedule hadn't been that, that salty yet either, and they, so eight and eight and five is probably the minimum of what you would want at this yeah. point too. So, all right, we shall be back with a interesting. This well, there's never an uninteresting. That's this right. Day yes. His, today in history, but this is an interesting today in history. Quiet, please. We'll be on the air. And now, this day in history, Patrick. One second here. What the heck? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? Where'd it go? All right. On this day in 2006, it was the last, November 14th, 2006, it was the last day for the pig stands drive-ins in Texas. Why is that important? Why is that important? It was the nation's first drive-in restaurant empire. Oh, really? The restaurant owners were bankrupt in 2006. They Mm. owed the state of Texas $200,000 in unpaid sales taxes, and they closed them down. A Dallas entrepreneur named Jesse G. Kirby built the first pig stand along the Dallas-Fort Worth Highway in October 1921. It was a roadside barbecue restaurant like unlike any other. Its patrons could drive up, eat, and leave, all without budging from their automobiles. People with cars are so lazy, Kirby explained, they don't want to get out of them. <laughs> Curry lured these ca- ca- car-attached customers with great fanfare and spectacle. When a customer pulled into the pig stand parking lot, Teenage boys in white shirts and black bow ties jogged over to the car and hopped up onto the running board, sometimes before the driver had even pulled into the parking space and took his order. And guess what? That's how we got car hops. Oh, sure. Because they got hopped up there. Soon, the pig stand drive-ins replaced the car hops with attractive young girls on roller skates. Because there are no dummies. But the basic formula was the same. Good-looking young people, tasty food, speedy service, and auto-based convenience. The first pig stand was a hit, and uh, they became a empire in the South, apparently. I bet that was yeah, good. 130 barbecue. pig stands in nine states. Uh, kind of gone the way of the Happy Chef, though, right? Yeah. Uh, that wasn't an indoor, but the Happy Happy Chef started, uh, I think, in Mankato. Mm-hmm. That one's gone now, too, right? Yes, One it's of gone. the last ones. Uh, but the pig, uh, on this day in 2006, the pig stand went out of business. And I'm sad I never went to one. Oh, I bet that I was good eating. One. Fantastic. Uh, we'll be back with uh, Three Technique.